0: Hello everybody, I'm Peter Travers and welcome to this special edition of Popcorn. It's the end of the year, so it's time for me to reward those movies that were really good and to really trash those movies that were really bad. And boy, I saw bad. There were plenty. But in the holiday spirit, I'm going to start with the lucky seven the movies that I really liked, and I'm going to go backwards with them, with number seven. And number seven, I choose The Post. This is the Steven Spielberg movie starring Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks about The Washington Post in the early 70s when The Washington Post decided they would publish the Pentagon Papers, even though the president at the time, Richard Nixon, said publishing these secret documents was the equivalent of treason. And yet they did it. You have so many good performances in this movie, but in Meryl Streep, playing the publisher of the Washington Post, Catherine Graham, you have that performance that speaks to this time. Here's a woman who is basically silenced by men. Men were making all the decisions. She got to say nothing. And finally she says, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to speak out for myself. Has there ever been anything like that? And anything in the 70s that speaks more than this world we live in right now than a president saying to the press you have nothing but fake news you lie all the time the press should not be free to say what they want to say I want to control it this is maybe not only one of the best movies of 2017 but the most topical so definitely see the post Uh, number six I'm choosing a film called The Shape of Water directed and written by the great Mexican filmmaker Guillermo del Toro a love story of between a cleaning woman working in the Cold War at a government place in secret government hideout where they do experiments in Baltimore, Maryland, who falls in love with one of those experiments, who's a creature they found in the Amazon. And because she's mute and because the creature is mute, they speak to each other with their eyes and with their hearts. This is one of the most romantic movies you'll see anywhere. It's Guillermo del Toro at his best. You've got to see it. Put it on your list. Number five is a movie called Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Here you're seeing Frances McDormand, who's a great actress anyway, at the very peak of her powers. I know she's won an Oscar already uh, for Fargo, which was directed by her husband, Joel Cohen, of the Coen brothers. But here she's playing a woman who is so angry at the police because her daughter had been raped and murdered uh, eight months before and they've done nothing about it. So what she's doing is she's renting three billboards in which she castigates the police for their laziness, for their refusal to solve this crime. And here's a movie which is written and directed by the Irish playwright Martin McDonough that captures this feeling we all have today of helplessness and anger. We've got the both of them. We want to fight City Hall, but we can't. It's funny in the dark comic kind of way, and it's also something that you'll take to heart. Francis McDormand and uh, Sam Rockwell, as the police officer who drives her insane, are both going to be high up on the Academy Award nominees this year. Another really great movie. Okay, number four is Greta Gerwig's movie, Lady Bird. Uh, Here's a movie that when I describe it to you, it sounds like every other kind of of coming-of-age movie that you might see. Saoirse Ronan is playing a girl in Sacramento who's graduating from high school, has problems with her mother, has problems with the men in her life. And it sounds like, well, haven't I seen that a hundred times before? You have not, because Greta Gerwig has carved this screenplay out of her own life. Growing Up in Sacramento, because Sir Sharonin and Laurie Metcalf are giving performances so good that you take it to heart. You feel that everything they're saying is about your own growing up, no matter what time it was that you grow up. It's a perfect movie of its kind that will go in the time capsule for movies about coming of age. All right, number three, of uh, to me, the most romantic movie of the year, Call Me By Your Name, directed by Luca Guadagnino, the Italian director, who finds a sensuality in this story. It's set in the 80s, it's in northern Italy, and it's about a young boy who um, works for his fathers in in the summer, who does research into Greek statues and mythology. And every year and every summer there's another intern, and the intern this year is played by Armie Hammer. The two of them fall in love, and not just in love, but it's first love. This is a movie that captures that feeling that only happens once in all our lives. When you look at this other person and say, this is the one for me. And it's about that feeling and the heartbreak that comes when it doesn't work out. Timothy Chalamet is 22 years old and giving a performance that puts him right up there with the Gary Oldman's and Tom Hanks's and Daniel day Lewis's. It's a great performance. And Army Hammer is doing the best work of his career as this assistant to the boy's father who doesn't know how basically to handle the awkwardness of what's going on. Uh, a truly great movie. All right, number two. Number two is a movie that it was like this with me. Number two, number one, which one do I pick? But number two, I'm picking Jordan Peele's Get Out, a film that is a a horror movie. That's what people sold it as. Uh, But what happens in it? Do I see monsters? I don't see monsters at all. What I'm seeing is a man, played by uh, Daniel Kaluuya, who finds a girlfriend in um, Allison Williams. And she says, I want to take you home to meet my parents. You know, And he's saying, well, do they know I'm black? Do they know what to expect when I get there? And she says, no, they're really great. And then what we see is a horror movie slash black comedy about the co-opting of black culture in America, the co-opting of something that's not theirs, and making it not just funny and satirical, but scary. Because... Who are we as people, and how do we hold on to our individuality? This is a really complex theme, and Jordan Peele has tackled it and made something brilliant out of it. All right. So number one, number one, best picture of 2017 to me is Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. This is set in 1940 before America has entered the war, but Great Britain is stranded. These soldiers are stranded on the beaches of France and Dunkirk No way to get out. Hitler's troops are coming right at them. And the war and everything that's happening is dependent on this one battle. Can they be evacuated? How do they get evacuated? Can you depend on the government, on Winston Churchill? You can't. You have to depend on yourselves. So the British got together in their small boats, came across the English Channel and rescued almost 400,000 men themselves. And the decision was made both in Parliament and on those beaches that to live under a tyrant like Hitler was impossible, that you had to fight back. Chris Nolan is the best director this year because what he does is tell you nothing. He puts you there, so you see Dunkirk on land, you see it on sea, and you see it in the air, and you are definitely there, and you are feeling something so scary that, again, relates to right now when you have a leader in the United States who also has his hands on the button. That could say basically, we're all going to be at war. It could be a global catastrophe if someone makes the wrong decision. In Dunkirk, we see people make the right decision. Let's just hope that the right decision is made now. So look at this, seven pertinent movies that speak to the present and the future as well as the past that they're set in. And I would declare this one of the best years for movies in a long, long time. All right, now I'm going to the worst. The worst movies of 2017, which I call the unlucky seven, and I'm going to go backwards again to, to talk about them. Number seven, a movie I hate for so many reasons, but let me start at the beginning. It's called the Emoji Movie. It should have actually been funny, because why can't? Emojis, they're part of our life. And we want them desperately to be funny, but instead we get nothing. We get a meh emoji who's voiced by T.J. Miller who says, I don't want to be meh. I don't want to be one thing. I want to be a lot of things. And then we have Patrick Stewart as the poop emoji and Maya Rudolph as a perky emoji, and nothing happens. This just sits there on the screen and dies. It dies. Can't you think of something better animated to do for kids than this? You did not. Ah. Okay Six Six is a successful movie I love to choose Movies that are box office hits That I do not understand Why you're all going to them people It's called Daddy's Home 2 What? You know Here's Will Ferrell And Mark Wahlberg Playing the same father Stepfather Little routine They did in the first one but now, it's their fathers that enter the picture. John Lithgow plays the super sweet daddy of Will Ferrell, and Mel Gibson comes in as the mean-spirited, sexist father of Mark Wahlberg, who tells basically his grandchildren that how they need to treat women is to grab whatever they want to grab. I wish to hell this was satirical, but it isn't. It's, it's a movie that says what Mel Gibson is doing in this movie is good advice. How did a movie so toxic manage to get into theaters for the holidays and be so awful? I, I just don't get it. Okay, number five, The Mountain Between Us. Now, I like romantic movies well as the next guy. I love Call Me By Your Name. I love The Shape of Water. But here's a movie starring two amazingly charismatic actors, Kate Winslet and Idris Elba. They're strangers. They decide to rent a private plane. The plane crashes, and what happens to them? Oh, they fall in love. I did not believe one second of this romance. I never believed in their attraction. The whole movie is set up so that while they're trudging through the snow and fighting off wild cougars they then will look at each other and fall in love. And so they needed a moment where they run across a cabin that they can go and have sex in next to a roaring fire. No, I just wanted to throw my popcorn at the screen when I was seeing it. Oh, so bad. No. All right, number four. Number four is called The Mummy. Uh, This was another nail in the coffin of The Career of Tom Cruise who took this movie and decided not to play the mummy. He's a guy. He's an expert in antiquities. A woman plays the mummy. And it was supposed to start a whole new series of remakes of the great horror movies like Frankenstein and Dracula and the Wolfman. Well, this movie died such a death at the box office that I don't think Universal is even going to pursue this idea of making these movies, which are really too bad. But to see Tom Cruise, who used to know how to do this movie so well, be trapped in a movie that doesn't work on any level is just tremendously sad. This should have been at least good escapism. Instead, you want to escape from the theater while you're watching it. Oh, All right. Number three. Oh, boy. Fifty, Fifty Shades Darker is the name of this. It's the sequel to Fifty Shades of Grey, which means that Jamie Dornan is back as the billionaire who somehow gives a break to a young intern who's played by Dakota Johnson. But now she's in the digital magazine business. Uh, but he's a sadist. You know, he's basically into being a guy who can only get off by torturing her, just as he was the first time. These books weren't much, but at least the books dealt with what people who are submissives and dominants get out of being submissives and dominance. Here we just see two awkward actors who look like they want to fire their agents for trapping them in a movie that just puts them in awkward situations. Yeah, It's nothing to the awkwardness I felt by watching it and the, the need that I had inside of me to say, don't do the third one. Don't do the third one. They will. And you're going to it. Don't go to this people. That's the best way you can speak to Hollywood is to say... I'm not going. So that's why you can't make a third one or a fourth one. So please don't do it. Okay, number two. Number two is The Dark Tower. Again, two charismatic actors. Idris Elba. Again, Idris had a bad year. This was The Mountain Between Us and now The Dark Tower. He is the gunslinger. Matthew McConaughey is the evil man in black. Stephen King wrote eight novels based on The Dark Tower characters. All of them are terrific. This is basically a 95-minute movie that feels like it's 95 hours to sit there and watch. Nothing makes sense. Nothing works. And the disappointment I feel when I watch this is is acute because these books were good. You didn't have to screw up Hollywood. You could have actually made a good movie or even a miniseries out of it. Instead, you made one of the very worst movies of the year. Ah, please, people. Here we go. The worst movie of 2017. What is it? And I am calling it right now as Transformers. The last night. If only with the last movie. If only it was the last Transformers movie. It's the fifth. I have named the worst award for the last, oh God, 10 years after Michael Bay because he always seems to win it. No matter what movie he makes, it's always number one on my worst list. Mostly because he's a hack. Uh, he makes movies that are cynical that attract audiences that think they're going to get something exhilarating and adventurous. And he has such contempt for the audience that he makes movies for that you just you sit there and say, why should I watch this? You, you think I'm stupid and you're making the movie to make it even more stupid. And you're looking at me and saying, you're a sucker who's paying money to see the crap that I turn out. This is the worst. Mark Wahlberg, who stars in this one, has announced that this is the last one he'll ever be in. Mark, this is the best decision you've ever made. I think we as audiences need to say, we won't pay money and watch it again. And that is a way to end the year with the idea to keep bad movies out of our lives. Please, thank you.